What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200K for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does all the work for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billing, scheduling, and more. And you can resell on Picasso's marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. Visit Picasso to see thousands of listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O dot com. My name is Lowell Berlanti, and this is Prodigy. I heard as much as I felt this deep, low-pitched thud as the first guy ran up behind me and smashed me in the back of the head. And then I saw this puff of white light, just like someone took a picture. The next thing I knew, I was on my knees, and everything was spinning, and I didn't know where I was or how I got there. Jason Paget was a furniture salesman from Tacoma, Washington. He never liked math. He didn't see the point. I cheated on everything, and I never cracked a book, he said. Jason dropped out of college his sophomore year. His life revolved around girls, bars, and drinking. He'd wake up the next day with a hangover, get out of bed, and do the exact same thing. One Friday evening in September of 2002, Jason went to a CD karaoke bar. After he sang, he bought a drink, and when he pulled out his wallet to pay, the amount of money in there did not go unnoticed. When he left the bar, two men followed him out and attacked him from behind. They punched him in the back and sides of his head. Jason was dazed, but adrenaline kicked in, and he grabbed one of the men by the crotch and bit his thigh. The other man kicked Jason in the back of the head. They rifled through his pockets, stole his jacket, and ran off. When Jason got to his feet, things looked different. Everything that moved had trails of colored lights following close behind it. There were triangles and squares and repeating patterns wherever I looked, from the windows to the lampposts to the street signs. He made his way to the hospital, where they diagnosed him with a concussion and bruised kidney, and then sent him home. When he woke up the next morning, he noticed something peculiar with his vision. Lines were extruding from objects. Curved objects appeared pixelated, and movement seemed like a stop-motion film. He became fascinated with every shape in his house. Jason soon realized he had suffered a traumatic brain injury and started experiencing negative effects, such as tremors, PTSD, paranoia, and OCD. Gradually, he became more withdrawn and fearful. In his isolation, he began to contemplate what had happened and what he was seeing. Everything seemed to be related to geometry. 
numbers became important. He counted every step and rinsed his toothbrush exactly 16 times. He began doing extensive online research until one day he came across an image that sparked something in his mind. It was a shell, which represents a fractal. Fractals are never-ending, infinitely complex, self-similar patterns. Another way to think of it is one object being made up of the same but smaller objects. Three years later, he was watching TV when he saw a documentary about a savant named Daniel Temet. Daniel could calculate the answer to math problems to the 100th digit. He recalled over 22,000 digits of pi and is a polyglot, meaning he knows several languages. He even learned a new one in a week as a demonstration of his skills. When describing his abilities, Daniel said, When I multiply numbers together, I see two shapes. The image starts to change and evolve, and a third shape emerges. That's the answer. It's mental imagery. Jason jumped out of his chair and ran to his computer. The imagery that Daniel described is synesthesia. Synesthesia is a neurological union of sensation, where stimulation of one sensation triggers an involuntary reaction in another sensation. There is about 150 types of it. Dr. Simon Baron-Cohen gave Daniel the diagnosis of autism and synesthesia. So I asked Simon to explain what the cause of synesthesia is, which is actually a really difficult question because we don't really know. Our best guess is that there are connections that exist between two sensory areas. Often there are more connections than we need during the development of the brain, and these get pruned. But in synesthesia, some of these connections may remain. Scientists believe that babies are born with more neurological connections than needed. The unused connections are usually discarded or pruned during development. Most synesthetes are born that way, but very rarely it can be acquired from trauma. Another example is Derek Amato. He got a serious concussion when diving into the shallow part of a pool. After being released from the hospital, he visited a friend who had a piano. Derek had never played before, but he sat down and began playing complex original music. It's the only known case of musical ability from acquired savant syndrome. Derek's brain injury had given him synesthesia. Jason Paget describes his story in a book titled Struck by Genius, which is a really excellent read. Another well-known savant characteristic is calendar calculation. It's the ability to know what day of the week any date falls on. So if I were to say March 6, 1985, they'd say Wednesday. This is also associated with synesthesia. It's really impressive, and they can do it much faster than the average person. But there is a formula to doing it, and some people have credited this ability to mnemonic strategy. Let's test it out with the date March 6th, 1985. First, we calculate the year code. Take the last two digits of the year, in this case 85, then divide by 4 and remove the remainder. This gives us 21. Add the last two digits of the year back into that number. So 21 plus 85 equals 106. Then you find the month code. March is 4, and the day code, which is simply the date. In this case, it's 6. So we add the year, month, and day code together. 106 plus 4 plus 6 equals 116. The final step is to take that number and multiply 7 by the highest number that goes into it. For this date, it's 16. 7 times 16 equals 112. And 116 minus 112 leaves us with the number 4, which correlates to a weekday. The week is numbered 0 through 6, with Saturday being 0 and Friday being 6. So 4 equals Wednesday. It's still impressive how quickly savants can calculate this in their head, and they probably aren't doing it consciously. The formula becomes even more complex the further in the past or future the dates are. 
you can find this formula and a date checker at prodigypodcast.com. So we've seen it in math, but what about art? When Alita Andre was a toddler, she crawled onto her father's canvas and started smearing paint around. Her parents thought it was impressive and eventually showed her work to a curator at the BSG Gallery in Melbourne, Australia. He insisted on showing the pieces, unaware at the time that they were done by a two-year-old. At the age of eight, she was the youngest artist to have her work featured in a solo museum exhibit. She's had art shows all over the world, and in 2020, Alita was awarded the Global Child Prodigy Award for being the youngest professional painter in the world. Here's her mom. She was constantly obsessively thinking like, why I can't hear the sound from my artworks because everything like we do in the universe have a sound thinking about sound constantly, sound of a color. Then, of course, we realized that she's got the synesthesia. Aelita is a synesthete that paints abstract art. This may be one of the most difficult domains for a prodigy to be recognized in due to the subjective nature of art, but it's hard to perceive Aelita's work as anything but beautiful. We're going to hear from some people with synesthesia after a quick break. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Welcome back to Prodigy. You can find any resource or website I mention on the episode page at prodigypodcast.com. There should be a link in the description. So I posted on the Synesthesia subreddit looking for some clarification. A couple people responded. First is a 19-year-old artist that goes by Kane, spelled K-A-Y-N. He has the same form of synesthesia as Aelita. It's called chromesthesia and is characterized by sound evoking an experience of color. I believe I also have autism or uh, Asperger's or something. One day my mom came into my room and just, this seems like you could have this. Is that true? And I just went, yeah, is that not normal to see colors when listening to music? And uh, she just went, no, and uh, that just blew my mind. His art is incredible. And he's only been painting for six months because he just realized he had synesthesia when he saw a TED Talk by Melissa McCracken. 
do you listen to music while you paint? Uh, yeah, I usually have um, the one song I'm painting uh, on loop, and I just listen to it over and over again to not miss any details. You can find Kane's art on his Instagram at Kane underscore Stevens underscore two. He forgot the password to his first account. Another person I spoke with is David Malofsky. He's a product manager and has a website dedicated to comic books and superheroes. You can find it online at AP, the number two, HYC.com. When I was a kid, I have some memories where I know that I would ask my mom questions like, why is blue blue and yellow is yellow, but green is brown, meaning like, why are the words different colors from the colors themselves? But it wasn't until I was like 16 that I actually realized that the way that I see the world was different from the way anyone else experienced it. Um, When I first heard that, oh, there's people that read in color. And my reaction was like, doesn't everyone read in in color? Isn't that how it works? And um, it was a couple years later when I was 18 that I first heard the word synesthesia. And when I looked it up on Wikipedia, there was a very helpful thing that you could do where it had an image of a bunch of twos. And then within that, there was a triangle made out of fives. And if you basically, if you could see the triangle almost immediately, it was because you could see the colors. And then I spoke to my psychiatrist and he was basically just like, yep, you definitely have synesthesia. David actually has multiple forms of synesthesia. The main one is uh, grapheme color synesthesia, which is uh, seeing letters and numbers in color. Um, That's probably the strongest of the four that I have. The next would be I have some auditory color, some mostly music color. And then uh, I also have touch color or touch vision. So I sometimes will see things as I'm touching them. I also have like a minor version of scent color. David has a podcast called Pod Capers that interviews comic creators like Dave Gibbons, the graphic artist of Watchmen. So synesthesia appears more commonly in people with autism. I want to start by addressing something. In the episode I did on Ted Kaczynski, I talked about lack of empathy being a symptom of Asperger's syndrome. A listener named Georgie reached out and educated me on some things which I want to share with you. I also want to encourage anyone else to do the same. These are complex topics that require a massive amount of research in a limited amount of time. But the last thing I want to do is misrepresent a sensitive subject. You can find several ways to reach me at prodigypodcast.com. Georgie explained that categorizing people with autism as having a lack of empathy is misleading. It's not that they lack empathy at all. It's just more difficult for them to recognize emotions in other people. However, once they do, they can often display above average levels of empathy. So a more accurate phrasing would be the appearance of lack of empathy. Georgie didn't suggest this, but I do want to reiterate that autism is not an explanation of Ted's behavior. So they're not like psychopaths or people with antisocial personality disorder who simply don't care. This is Dr. Simon Baron Cohen again. He directs the Autism Research Center at the University of Cambridge. But they do have difficulty in reading other people in terms of facial expression, vocal intonation, body language, just kind of imagining somebody else's state of mind. But once it's pointed out to them, they're very empathic. Georgie also explained something to me about Hans Asperger. He was viewed as a pioneer in the field of research, and even as a hero who saved children from Nazi euthanasia by discovering their intelligence. It was later discovered that he was an active participant. Psychologist Uta Frith translated his 1944 paper, which said, quote, We are convinced, then, that autistic people have their place in the organism of the social community. They fulfill their role well, perhaps better than anyone else could. And we are talking of people who, as children, had the greatest difficulties and caused untold worries to their caregivers. However, he also said, 
Unfortunately, in the majority of cases, the positive aspects of autism do not outweigh the negative ones. Here's Georgie. Basically, if kids weren't intelligent enough, would give them to the Nazis to kill. So children that did not meet his criteria, he referred to a center for euthanasia, which is part of the Nazis' genetic engineering efforts. Asperger's was considered a subgroup of autism and included in the DSM-4, but in the DSM-5 they removed it, and one reason was they felt it wasn't being diagnosed consistently. The other reason why it was dropped more recently was the revelation that Hans Asperger, the pediatrician after whom that subgroup was named, uh, may have collaborated with the Nazis during World War II because of concerns over his role during the Nazi regime. And it was felt that uh, this subgroup on the autism spectrum shouldn't really be given his name. One of Dr. Frith's notable students was Sir Simon Baron Cohen. He was actually knighted for services to people with autism. He comes from a pretty talented family of writers, directors, and actors. During my research, everywhere I looked, Simon's name kept coming up. So I reached out to him for an interview. He recently released a book titled The Pattern Seekers, How Autism Drives Human Invention. He argues that human innovation is driven by an if-then systemizing mechanism of causality. If this happens, then this happens. This mechanism consists of four steps. Step one is a question. Why did this happen? Step two is answering the question by creating a hypothesis. Step three is testing to see if the results are consistent. And step four is modifying the input to determine the effects of a different pattern. This method is the basis for human innovation. If you're familiar with programming or math, you may recognize this as Boolean logic. Simon also describes another trait that enabled Homo sapiens to innovate. He calls it the empathy circuit, and it consists of two networks, cognitive empathy and affective empathy. Cognitive empathy is the ability to imagine the thoughts and feelings of another person. Affective empathy is the drive to respond to those thoughts and feelings with an appropriate emotion. And in my recent book, it's called The Pattern Seekers, I kind of explore some of the evidence that autistic people have a mind that is seeking patterns, seeking these very logical patterns to understand objects, to understand tools, to understand data, and that that has been a kind of very important characteristic of what makes us essentially human. Because when you look at humans, modern humans, homo sapiens, what seems to be very distinct about us compared to all other animals is that we look for patterns and we make complex tools, tools of a range of different types. All these sorts of things start to appear around 100,000 years ago to about 70,000 years ago. But what we've found in living populations today is that people who have an aptitude in understanding systems, people who score high on this systemizing quotient, also have more autistic traits. The two things seem to go hand in hand. We've been looking at whether the genetic contribution to this pattern-seeking, systemizing, overlaps with the genetics of autism and found indeed that there is an overlap. The new book, The Pattern Seekers, is really just kind of looking at whether autistic people have actually played a very important role in human evolution, particularly around invention. All right, we're going to hear from Georgie right after a quick break. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. 
Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Welcome back to Prodigy. So Georgie isn't her real name. She preferred to be anonymous due to concerns that public knowledge could unfortunately affect her job. But she did pick the nickname. I'm not diagnosed with autism. I am diagnosed with dyslexia and suspected autism. I don't know about in the States, but it's quite difficult on the NHS to get a diagnosis, especially if you're an adult female just because there's not a lot of people worldwide, quite frankly, who know an awful lot about female autism. I would say a lot of people just don't have a diagnosis because it's very difficult to get, especially given some of the ways autism presents in women is the opposite to how it would present in a man. The sex ratio in autism is four males to every one female. And that may be because there's a partly biological reason. That's a possibility. But there might be kind of non-biological reasons for that sex ratio in autism too. It may be that, for example, clinicians are just less good at identifying autism in females. Or it may be that females who struggle with social skills are better at hiding it. People talk about camouflaging. There might be more kind of social pressure on females to be sociable and to be communicative. And so they kind of put more effort into hiding their social difficulties. Here's Dr. Michael Morier. He's the director of the Emory Autism Center in Atlanta. Females display behaviors differently um, than males do. So, you know, we expect males to be doing certain things at certain ages and females to be doing different things. And is that kind of masking it? Or um, when it comes to more like repetitive interest and behaviors, is it that Females, when they become kind of like perseverative or they become really overly attached to something, it's something that's more typical. You know, you would expect a little girl to be playing with dolls, wanting to dress up, wanting to be princesses. So their over-attachment to that may not seem as unusual as a three-year-old boy that knows every kind of car that there is out there. So the interest in behaviors may be kind of just different. And so we are kind of looking at them and saying, yes, that's unusual, but that is not. There is 
some belief that there's this female kind of protective factor, but what that specifically is, we're not sure yet. I was obsessed with Barbies when I was a kid. My sister's five years younger than me, and she recalls that apparently I would come home every day and like have massive tantrums because she had moved the dolls in my doll's house. And I was like, you've messed them up. But my mum was always saying, but she's just playing with them. That's how you play with dolls. But I was like, they're not where I left them. They're not in the right place. You know, for me, it was more like collecting and ordering and tidying rather than actually imagining, if that makes sense. If you looked at it from like a, a shallow level and we're like, oh, well, that girl's got lots of Barbie dolls. That's not autistic. Since autism is mostly diagnosed in males, a lot of the diagnostic criteria is based on the way it presents in them. We need to invest time and research into how it manifests in different people. I think the most important question here is, do we approach autism as something that should be treated to help them function in a neurotypical society? I would love for people, especially doctors, but people in general, to not see it as an illness. It's just the same as being gay. And I, I use that example because I am queer. I experience both. Both you have to come out multiple times again and again. Both people seem to think bad rather than just different both you can have conversion therapy for while being gay isn't in the DSM anymore. Being trans, it still is, and being neurodiverse still is. Also, both doctors and the general public are just not aware of the gender differences. Women do experience this too, just differently. It's really hard, by the way. Like If you're a woman and you want to have friends and you actually enjoy chatting with people, but you can't read body language, facial expressions, and aren't very good at reading social situations, that can actually be really isolating because you kind of want to be part of those social groups, but people often just aren't interested in including you because you don't quite get it. Um, I think there's nearly this idea that autistic people kind of don't want friends, but that that's not that's not true. And a lot of the people I speak to often are quite depressed actually that they can't make friends. They don't understand why their friend fell out with them or, you know, didn't come to their party or whatever it was. A lot of people argue that early intervention in autistic children to help them build social skills is the best treatment. But that could be the wrong way to look at it. It didn't stop me from learning. It stopped me from being able to do things as an adult. It never stopped me from learning as a kid. I just think it's a very ableist way of thinking about it in the same way that being gay used to be in the DSM, and now it's not. Um, you can get gay conversion therapy. You can also get autistic conversion therapy, which is something called ABA therapy. ABA stands for Applied Behavior Analysis. It's a method for changing behavior that is the most established and longest-running form of therapy for people with autism. It's very abusive. You, you'd struggle to find any autistic adult that was in favor of it you would really struggle to find any autistic adult who had been through it and was in favour of it. And yet, um, parents of autistic children, rather than listening to adults with autism, instead go, well, our kids started doing what we wanted them to, so we don't want to know about the fact that it's actually going to cause them psychological damage, make their life worse for them, because they're now doing what we wanted them to. ABA is highly criticized by some adults with autism who experienced it as a child. Dr. Moyer is an advocate for the early intervention of applied behavior analysis. Using the principles of applied behavior analysis, or ABA, 
where you're really looking at how do you break down these skills that the child needs into smaller pieces and how do you teach those and reinforce them for using those behaviors. Build on that and keep building and building so the child keeps learning is really there regardless of what the research is saying. That's the best practices. Critics of ABA say that trying to make autistic people normal is harmful. Instead, they want people to accept the concept of neurodiversity. The concept of neurodiversity, we don't all find the same aspects of the environment equally interesting, you know, that we differ in the way we attend to the environment. I think that's kind of a, an important message, uh, just to kind of make space for kids being different. Neurodiversity is the idea that people's brains work differently. So instead of framing things like autism, dyslexia, and ADHD as disorders that need to be cured, we should accept them as differences. ABA is a highly controversial topic in the world of autism. Do you try to convert non-harmful behavior, or do you accept it? I guess there's two issues here, right? One is how we as a society don't find it acceptable when people are different, even when they're not causing harm. I think the second one is lots of young children do things that if they did as an adult, you know, you wouldn't think was okay. But as you grow into an adult, you change your behavior. So the alternative is just letting them grow up like normal children. And over time, you learn to amend your behaviors. For example, a lot of autistic adults will play with spinners instead, or little chewy things that you put on the end of the toggles on hoodies, which you can kind of, you know, chew while you're walking down the street or something. It's a lot less kind of obvious than flapping your arms. On the other hand, you know, if you want to have a spin around in the street, it's not really causing anyone any harm. Probably don't do that in the office. I think people also overestimate how important these skills are. I have a great job. You know, I do okay. Sure, things are a bit harder for me, but, you know, I wouldn't change it to be someone else. I can't read facial expressions. I can't read body language. That doesn't stop me being generally accepted by society. It doesn't stop me from having relationships, friendships, romantic relationships. It doesn't get in the way of me doing a good job. Sometimes it can be really difficult, but I think equally there's sometimes a, a worry that these things are going to be even more significant than perhaps they are in reality. There are other methods for people seeking treatment. Not everyone is going to respond well to the same type. The kinds of support that they may need may be very different. And I suppose the kind of take-home message is that we need to kind of treat autistic people as individuals, not to generalize about all autistic people. We know in other areas of health and social services that people do get reasonable support. But when it comes to autistic people, they often have to wait a long time, possibly years, even just to get the diagnosis. And then even after they get a diagnosis, there may be no support. What we see is very high rates of poor mental health and even high rates of feeling suicidal and high rates of unemployment. Society is kind of letting autistic people down. And in my book, The Pattern Seekers, you know, I sort of point out how autistic people may have made remarkable contributions to the evolution of, of invention that defines our species. But at the same time, society is kind of excluding autistic people. There's still a lot of research to be done on the subject, so we can provide people the support that works best for them. And we need to view it as a difference and not a disorder. 
Georgie wants people to avoid a charity called Autism Speaks because they treat autism as a disease that needs to be cured. I looked into them after she said this, and they have done some pretty questionable stuff. They made one video that used fear tactics called I Am Autism and have some other examples of pretty questionable rhetoric and distribution of resources. If you want to make a donation or find more info, she suggests autism.org.uk. Dr. Simon Baron-Cohen uses his Twitter account to spread awareness. You can find him there at S. Baron-Cohen. He directs the Autism Research Center at Cambridge. Dr. Michael Morier directs the Autism Research Center at Emory. You can find them at psychiatry.emory.edu. Prodigy was created and produced by me, Lowell Berlanti. The executive producer is Tyler Klang. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career. And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.